Hey guys, uh, Dylan here. Today's story is from a new voice, a colleague of mine named Abigail Keel, and you're going to hear from her a couple of times in the next few weeks. And today, she's going to tell you an incredible story about one of the great lost wonders of Brooklyn, New York. Um, it's a very kind of loft-like apartment. You got relatively high ceilings. You got great light from both ends. I'm standing in an empty apartment on an L-shaped block right at the intersection of two historic Brooklyn neighborhoods, Clinton Hill and Bedford-Stuyvesant, or Bed-Stuy. The agent who's showing me the place owns and occupies the unit upstairs. My name's Rudy Hanya. I live at Fort Downey, and I'm proud of it. I'd be proud to live here, too. It's gorgeous. Bright, open layout, big windows at the front and at the back, shiny white countertops, and all kinds of amenities. Two bathrooms is like a luxury. Oh, no, it's a great, great thing to have. <laughs> and central air, too. So oh, wow. Yeah. Like real central air. And what's the, the price? <laughs> the rent ended up being uh, 6700 Okay. Oof. $6,700 a month is a little out of my price range. Good thing I'm not actually looking to rent this apartment. I'm here to know more about the building. A building where, back in the 1980s, something strange started to spread its wings. Over the next 30 years, an angel emerged here. Or so it was called. Made of scrap wood and glass, with towers and staircases, decks and skylights. When the sun set behind her, she gleamed. But this structure, the legendary Broken Angel House, disappeared from the skyline about 10 years ago. I'm Abigail Keel, and this is Atlas Obscura, a celebration of the world's strange, incredible, and wondrous places. Today, we're at 4 Downing Street in Brooklyn, New York, to reconstruct this angel from memories, and to find the pieces of her that are still left. There are over 75 million monthly Tubi viewers. That's more people than there are golden retrievers. Which means Tubi is more popular than using meat-flavored toothpaste. More popular than never figuring out what W-A-L-K spells. More popular than kicking your leg when a human rubs your belly just right. Tubi. It's more popular than golden retrievers. See you in there. If you're looking for a place where the wide-open skies and the towering mountains inspire you to find an untapped part of yourself, you might want to take a trip to Wyoming. It's a place where bold, curious spirits forge their own way on all types of adventures. There is no shortage of iconic, expansive landscapes out there. You can discover breathtaking hikes, stunning state parks, authentic Western culture, and other historic sites— along with the tales of famous outlaws like Butch Cassidy and pioneers like Buffalo Bill Cody. The truth lies west. Discover yours at TravelWyoming.com. In 1979, two artists named Arthur and Cynthia Wood purchased a four-story tenement at Fort Downing for just over $2,000. They lived and worked here with their son Christopher, collecting junk from the neighborhood and turning it into a wild glass and wood structure 
that rose five stories above the existing brick building. Their addition was bursting from its own seams. Rooms attached to and on top of other rooms, triangular glass panels as walls, a giant tower with a gabled roof. In New York, sometimes up is the only direction you can go. These, so these were part of, I think these were like their windows mm-hmm. uh, in somewhat part of the building. Now Rudy and I, the real estate agent, are in his apartment. He's got fragments of the Broken Angel. Some people might call them trash. And these are like kind of a, a crude stained glass, yeah, I guess exactly. you would like call Kind it. of like a stained glass uh, interpretation there. This was part of their doing. They're slabs, about the size of a piece of paper. Colorful shards of glass cemented together. Rudy says he found them in the basement of the building when he moved in. Rudy walks me around to see other remnants of the Broken Angel, a cement-faced sculpture embedded into a stairwell wall. Broken pieces of terracotta plastered into a brick mantle like an ancient puzzle. A giant wood beam with pieces of glittering glass serving as a pagoda on the elegant rooftop deck. But back when the woods were here, these elements were just the beginning. Arthur once told the New York Times, quote, architecture affects your mind, okay? If you live in a tiny box, you don't have any ideas and you don't have any future. Another publication referred to the Broken Angel as the Bedstai Sagrada Familia, after the famous mosaic cathedral in Barcelona. But unlike its creator, Gaudi, the woods weren't exactly lauded for their contributions to art and architecture. If I was a, a location scout and we needed a crack house, I might refer that place. That's comedian Dave Chappelle, standing within earshot of the Broken Angel in Dave Chappelle's block party. The film documents a live concert Chappelle hosted on Downing Street, alongside scenes of him around Brooklyn. In the film, the structure is like the Brooklyn version of the Disney castle rising behind a stage graced by rappers and performers, some of whom grew up in the neighborhood or live nearby, like Lauren Hill, Talib Kweli, and Mostaf. In one scene, Chappelle notices Arthur and Cynthia outside the Broken Angel and goes up to them for a chat. You know, we're having a concert in front of your house Saturday. Excited? Yes, and you're welcome to come and rest your loins at any point. I can come rest my loins in the crib. You heard that? With a glass of champagne. Chappelle asks them about the name of the building, painted in elegant white letters above the door. Cynthia explains that she and Arthur once found a ceramic angel figurine in the street, broken into several pieces. Arthur reassembled it, but years later, they discovered an identical figurine and realized Arthur's assembly was wrong. He'd reattached the arms in a different, more open position. The original's rather stiff. Mine is kind of graceful. So that's why we call this Broken Angel, because this building was wrecked and vandalized and lying in the street. And I'm putting it back together again better than it was. Folks in the neighborhood had noticed the Broken Angel for years before the block party aired in 2004. I mean, how could they not? But with the documentary came a spotlight and some new attention. Dave Chappelle's block party was one of the first kind of introductions to the Broken Angel for me. That's Rudy again. The film was an introduction for many people like him. And after it aired, folks started to come by Downing Street and catch a glimpse of the house. But timidly. Clinton Hill and Bed-Stuy didn't have a great reputation at the time. 
That's part of the reason they got away with what they did for so long, because it was an area that wasn't policed very much. It wasn't an area that people, this block especially, that people would come down and, and you know make a fuss about anything. So they kind of like lived under the radar for a long time. <laughs> under the radar yet. <laughs> I mean, like somehow you, you build that thing <laughs> that they just got away with for, you know, 10, 20 years. Yeah. What exactly were the woods getting away with? Well, their structure wasn't legal. You can't just build willy-nilly without getting things like permits and following building codes. Arthur and Cynthia's artistic wonderland didn't have blueprints. Neighbors say they saw Arthur scaling the broken angel without scaffolding, up to nine stories above the ground. And like Rudy says, this all went unnoticed for years, at least by the powers that be. But then a fire broke out in 2006. A portion of the back upper story of the cathedral-like structure was destroyed, and the New York City Department of Buildings ordered Arthur and Cynthia to leave the property. They said it wasn't safe. And that's when Brent Porter got involved. I didn't really go near the place until uh, we were called in to see if we could help. Brent is an architect and retired professor who spent almost 50 years at the Pratt Institute, a world-renowned art and architecture school. Pratt's campus is just a few blocks away from the Broken Angel. I remember us then seeing it, looking out the windows of the, the uh, studio on the second floor. You basically could see the Broken Angel sticking up by about two stories. And you could tell it's sort of wild configuration. I don't think I even went over there until the controversy began. Arthur and Cynthia thought it was ridiculous that the city was suddenly cracking down after years of not paying attention to the Broken Angel. They didn't leave when the buildings department posted a notice for eviction. Instead, they started asking for help from people like Brent. Brent wasn't just connected to Pratt. He was also chairman of the Landmarks Committee of Clinton Hill. We tried to get his building legalized so that he could uh, not only continue to live there, but to to have renters, which he desperately needed for income. And so we went through a long process of trying to do something that would get, meet the approval of landmarks, and absolutely nothing worked. No, no way, Jose. And what do you think was the main concern on the part of landmarks or neighbors who didn't like the project? I think about? They, it was so different than the surrounding environment and architecture. Their point of view was, it was unattractive. Unattractive. And, of course, potentially unsafe. But Brent had been inside the building. He'd even brought students from Pratt to help document it. And he pushed back against the safety concerns. Arthur might not have been following building codes, but the structure was fundamentally safe. To appease the Landmarks Committee, they tried a battle of semantics. The glass rooms on the top of the building were greenhouses. The wooden tower was a stairwell extension, or a roof deck. But in the end, none of these could pass muster with the Landmarks Committee or the Buildings Department. After all, the Broken Angel wasn't a stairwell extension or a greenhouse. It was something less purposeful, something loftier. What was it like inside? Well, it was just, just rather, rather, uh, not so much confusing, but just at every turn, there was something different that you were not expecting. You would start out in one direction and you'd end up going in the other direction. 
I think there were more places for him to, perhaps his art would have been in some of them, but I'm not exactly sure what his art was anymore. Mm -hmm. I, I think, mean, the, the I think the structure itself was the art. Yeah. Eventually, Cynthia got sick and later died. Arthur tried working with the developer for a while to preserve the building, but it ended acrimoniously. He was in debt and finally got evicted in 2013. He put the building up for sale and the bank foreclosed on it. Another developer bought the Broken Angel for $4 million and turned it into the condo building Rudy lives in today. Brent says he's not sure how much money Arthur walked away with, but it couldn't have been much. The two lost touch around this time. I tried to find Arthur for this story, but I couldn't get in touch with him. The last record I could find was a small retrospective art show he did in 2014 in upstate New York. He'd be in his mid-90s now. Looking back on it now, and I wish I could say this to Arthur directly, we appreciated his exploration as an architectural art project. If there was some way it could have been preserved, it should have been at least in part. Brent says now, he just wishes there was a plaque outside the building with an etching of the structure, something to honor Arthur and Cynthia and the years they spent creating a piece of art unlike any other. There should at least be some type of official public record that can be shared with future generations to let them know that there were these crazy things going on and they were experiments and yet in the name of development and, and uh, government, they simply had to come down. But that doesn't mean that their legacy should not still be shared. Rudy knew the legacy of the Broken Angel when he moved in. He was the first tenant in his unit, thrilled with the history of his new building. But he doesn't think many of the other owners know much about Arthur and Cynthia or the Broken Angel. Wow. This is like the supports for, I guess, the, the four stories of <laughs> craziness that went above, yeah. Wow. He walked me up to the shared roof deck to see the beams from Arthur's time. Off the back, I could see all the way to Manhattan. This is an amazing view. Great view. I don't think I've ever seen this view. It's hard to get a view in, in Clinton Hill, like in a small building like this, but because we're, we're up on the hill. Yeah. Well, the architect I was saying, or I was talking to, he was like, you know, I just wish there was a plaque outside, like that had yeah. a kind of little etching of the the crazy structure, mm -hmm. and just said like, like a little this bit of history. Yeah. yeah. No, that'd be nice. Yeah. That's a good idea. <laughs> talk to talk to the, the, the other owners about that. <laughs> yeah, so that would be no, great. That's actually not a bad idea. I like the sound of that idea. I moved into an apartment in Clinton Hill, just around the corner from the Broken Angel, in 2016. By that time, it was a four-story brick condo. No towering glass chapel, no cobbled-together wooden deck, no crude stained-glass windows. Inside, behind a frosted glass front door, the building does a better job than most at preserving pieces of its past. But outside, it'd be nice for us passers-by to know there was an angel here once. Imperfect unauthorized, and like so many of the best things in New York, unable to last forever.
This episode was reported and produced by me, Abigail Keel. Special thanks to Brent Porter and Rudy Hanja for all their help. Our podcast is a co-production of Atlas Obscura and Witness Docs. The production team includes Dylan Therese, Doug Baldinger, Chris Naka, Camille Stanley, Willis Ryder Arnold, Sarah Wyman, Manolo Morales, Baudelaire Seuss, Gianna Palmer, Tracy Samuelson, John Delore. Our technical director is Casey Holford. This episode was sound designed by me and mixed by Luce Fleming. Our theme and end credit music is by Sam Tyndall. I'm Abigail Keel, wishing you all the wonder in the world. See you next time. Witness Docs from Stitcher. Justin and so good. Thousands of summer deals at your Nordstrom Rack Store. Save up to 60% on new arrivals from Vince, Rag & Bone, Adidas, Joe's, Marc Jacobs, and more. Great brands, great prices every day at Nordstrom Rack. But hurry for first dibs. Get your summer favorites up to 60% off at Nordstrom Rack today. Great brands, great prices. That's why you rack. This is a big year. The Ohio Lottery's golden anniversary. 50 years of excitement, of growing jackpots and crossed fingers. 50 years of funding for schools, of changed lives and brightened days. 50 years of fun. And that is worth celebrating. So watch for can't-miss promotions, huge events, and new games that will make the Ohio Lottery's 50th year its biggest one yet. Learn more at funturns50.com.